Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Uh, today is Monday, the 20th of May, and um, wow, hasn't this month gone by quick? I can say today is a really, really stressful day for me. Um, my eldest daughter is leaving tomorrow at 0400 to train to be part of the United States Army. So I am extremely proud um, that she's doing it, though you can hear from my voice. Um, as a parent, you never want to see your kids leave, right? So what I wanted to start with today is kind of bring in perspective. And what I mean by this is I want my listeners to try to stand on the moon. Uh, it is very important that when we examine situations or predicaments, that we put as much distance as we can so that we can see the whole picture. And the media within our nation, domestic media, and then global media, and then online media, or are all layers to sequester and compartmentalize uh, certain facets in order to obfuscate the greater picture. So if you can stand on the moon right now and envision that you are looking at the United States, you will see a hot mess with a beacon of light streaming from Washington, D.C., congested, congested by clouds, and those clouds are the global order that are freaking out right now. And those clouds are across the world, across the world, the darkest and the thickest, obfuscating the dark continent of this planet, Africa. Remember that, Africa. No one talks about Africa. No one does business in Africa, yet we have a lot of nonprofits there. That will be coming to light later on in 2019, but right after the 2020 elections, that is where you will see the clouds starting to part. And when line when when the light kind of comes down in some orderly fashion, to spread those clouds, what people may see is just, it's going to be horrific for all of us. But that's in the future. Let's talk now. Let's look at the clouds that cover our nation. We have clouds that are covering our nation to create division between us. 
We have clouds that are talking about tax returns and people not wanting to allow our president to be on the ballot. We have clouds that are shrouding and aching for war with Iran. We have clouds hovering over our farmers so that way they can destroy the backbone support of President Trump's campaign base, which is what? The economic backbone, the people that work, steel mills, coal mills, farmers, oil, gas, they want to destroy that. We have a house of cards that's toppling down and the panic from the local media to put them on a pedestal to tell their side of the story on how it was necessary evil. But in, but in the long run, you will see that they're protecting one person, one person that represented that global order, that Merkel, Macron, all stood up and spoke for. Merkel was passed the torch on from Barack Hussein Obama right after he left the White House. He flew to Europe and told her, now it's in your hands. It's pretty incredible. Take a step back because we fall into pockets about stupid debates when we're not looking at the bigger picture. The bigger picture of who's warmongering. The fact that the global order, which comprises of the, of the European Union and even the United Kingdom, even though they're supposed to be leaving, I'll believe it when I see it. Now, China, Russia, and the United States are one and the same. And they're claiming to defend themselves against us. I mean, what kind of global order is it if the biggest global economic giants aren't playing? Pretty interesting. President Trump gave a great interview. Steve Hilton actually did a really good job. Um, And I'll play a few clips of those. Today, we're going to talk about General Flynn. All weekend, I've been working on a multi-series Russia hoax. uh, And my second part is still being edited because I need to make it as simple as possible. And I hope those of you that went to ToriSays.com and read Russia Hoax Part 1, I thought I should start it with what the end game really is and what's really going on in the background and how preliminary documentation and formulation of impeachment is happening. And we're not going to do that until we win back the House in 2020. That's actually very important to us right now. Clocks are ticking to make sure that those that are in the House, those Democrats that are in the House, are removed. So where do we start with all this? Do I express my sadness that conservative media... Even alternative, independent conservative media have all started uh, creating narratives that General Flynn had Russian ties. Do I go by the infiltration to the movement of We the People? You know, if a drop happens, a certain number of people, millions of them, if any, flock 
But the problem is the infiltration in that movement too. It's important that the voices that are crystal clear, that are providing guidance, that are providing evidence, that are providing clarity to be heard, followed, and understood. Not to tell you what's right or wrong, but to give you the right direction. And this is one of the most important things that needs to be understood because unfortunately President Trump understands that even though they are making available documents, evidence, recordings, statements to the public, to journalists and independent investigative journalists and, you know, brick and mortar media Uh, investigative journalists, they're not doing their job correctly. They're pocketing things. How many people have said, well, Comey was responsible for the defensive briefing. I've said, hey, Comey, why didn't he get a defensive briefing? I've never said that he was responsible for it, yet this is what they're purporting to you. He doesn't have any right to provide a defensive briefing to the president unless instructed to. And this is why part one of my Russia hoax series is very important because people need to understand the chain of command. Now, Comey's responsibility upon President Trump swearing was to come clean and advise him of everything going on. That was the FBI's job. That was the job of the FBI director, even though he contributed to falsifying documents, falsifying 302, manufacturing evidence, falsifying testimony in the FISA courts, signing off on things that he knew were not true, obstructing justice. I mean, I could keep going. Bottom line is, Comey, He's the bottom of the food chain, guys, of who's really in trouble. This is why they amplify your lower level but seemingly high level persons. Look at who wrote books. Look at who ran crowdfunding campaigns for their firings. Those people have been sacrificed. In turn, their families are taken care of. Their interests are taken care of. That's what you need to pay attention to. Though the one thing that boggles my mind is how is Joe Biden running for office? I mean, come on, man. You were at that disgusting meeting in January where all the heads of the cabinet members of Obama and then some intelligence, you name it, We're all in a meeting with the chief justice of the Supreme Court asking him to issue an opinion to stymie, delay, or to delay or stymie the inauguration of President Trump. Do not let him swear in because this, or if anything, please annul the election so we can do a do-over. What people don't seem to understand is that this, you know, as I put it out there, I can't help but laugh. Their plan was so pedestrian. It was so remedial 
so childish, so sloppy. They're sophisticated methods, one would say, but they were sloppy. Why? People who are cocky, who think that they can get away with anything, who believe that their power is beyond all and they can do whatever they want. Those that really believe they are above the law are the sloppiest because they don't seem to understand that when sloppy structure happens, no matter how sophisticated, no matter how well networked, no matter how well oiled your machine is, good people can never be underestimated. Good people who believe in the foundations of this nation, good people that have a moral compass even though they themselves have been drenched in the swamp. Those are the people you underestimate. Those that you may have insurance policies in. Frivolous, I guess, but nevertheless there, those are the people. The people that say, there's no point in me keeping my mouth shut. There's no point in me putting my head down because maybe I'll save my skin But who's going to save the skin of my children and their children so that your descendants, your tapped, you know, successors feed off of that carnage? Nope. That's where people put their foot down. And you know when that happened for the first time in public view? It was when General Flynn was resigned. I have said this before. The day they threw his retirement ceremony was one of the saddest days for me because this man was removed for calling out the atrocities. And you know, publicly we're talking, okay? Not what's classified or what's behind closed doors. We're talking publicly. He identified that radical Islamic terrorism is a big problem. And Obama scorned. Obama was angry. How dare you harm the Muslim religion? How dare you call Islam Islam followers radicals? They're not a problem. It's just a few of them. It's not an issue. How bigoted. That was the tone he gave in response to what our amazing general, who has always been boots on the ground, and keep in mind that when you're in the military or working for the government and you start to pin on stars, you start to realize that there's two camps. There's the camps of patriotism and fighting for the values that have been created based on the foundations of this nation. That means that there is the camp of the American interest, the interest of the people. But then you realize that it is the interest of the administration. And unfortunately, those are in the opposite direction most of the time. I mean, for the first time in history, I believe we have a president in an administration that aligns with the interests of the people of the United States. I'm not to say that JFK did not, but he did not have a full administration aligning, yet President Trump does. What pains me, though, is that our president is surrounded by people that are are of old guard. 
people that know best. I know he feels it. He can feel it. He understands it. But what can he do? How can he hire someone like you or I and put us right next to him where we could say, no, no, no. I'm just saying, right? How can he pick people that have a niche that can guide and that can give the tools? Because everyone is skilled in every way. Some of you right now are on your trucks driving. You'd be a great advisor for the Department of Transportation to talk about concerns in regards to the logistics of it the pay, the structures, whatever, how it happens, how you hire, ways to improve it because you're in it. You know it. There are others that are in nuclear waste cleanups, nuclear power plants, chemical plants. You have your niche. You should be on a committee talking about that sector. But Washington doesn't allow that. I mean, look what they did to Whitaker. They're like, who is this meathead coming in here? Mr. Football player looking all American rounded boy with probably a gun hanging from one hand and a hot dog in the other, you know, with a beer. He shouldn't be here. He's not one of us. Remember, that was the argument they brought up to the Supreme Court to answer because they were angry that he was the acting attorney general because they realized that Jeff Sessions was put in recused to allow Matt Whitaker to do his job because they won't let people like you or I be within the administration because how dare we think that we the people can run our country better than they can how dare we think that we have better ideas than they do incredible right but it's reality and we're all responsible for it I mean, all of us has voted for one of these clowns at some point or another. A lot of us have stayed silent for a very long time. Others have done their part. Others haven't. Regardless, we're in this mess all together. Now, how do we fix it? How do we help our president? Is it by retweeting? Is it by, it's by doing anything we can. It is by sending him recommendations. Are you a teacher? Okay. Do you have ideas on how to develop education better? Then send a letter. Don't fret. Send your ideas. Send it out. Be there. Present yourself. Be present. Why am I saying this? Because so many changes are coming. And after 2020, there will be a lot of people just average people that will be surrounding the D.C. area to help develop it. That's how we change and and change the pattern, change the path as we go. But we can only do that once the end game is done. Once the end game is forward and people are empowered and understand what has been going on. I mean, anyone talking about Barack Hussein Obama right now in a bad light is racist, a bigot. He was a great president. Look at him. He's awesome. Is he, though? Is he? He's the one that orchestrated all of this. He's the one that pushed the Russian narrative, and the timeline speaks for itself. And you know what's worse? Is that there were people in the White House that we're helping construct and create the network of communication. (laughs) 
And believe it or not, according to my sources, and from my deduction, deduction methods, there is a super leaker, and they're sitting in Pompeo's house, probably why he's drowning and wading through his house. How could you have someone that was Obama's National Security Council media person in the White House, placed within your State Department to be the person that has parlay with all global media networks. You got to be stupid, right? No, you don't have to be stupid. You have to not know about it. That's basically how it happens. You don't know about it, and they're just slotted in. And here's the thing. They're very qualified. They've been around the world. For those of you that listen, and listen carefully, if we only look at how we can start to look for people, if only we can look at start programs and see the people, that have been surrounded from places like Afghanistan or Syria. Start there. And find the mark that can tell you everything there is to know about how far infiltrated this administration is. Yeah, so the visible leaks we've done. Everything's coming out to light now, you know, shifts, little dark period you know, and how he rose from assistant U.S. attorney to senator in California to where he is now. You know, the thing about people that are trained, people that are positioned, is that they have a gap in their period and then they showcase themselves. So why doesn't everyone ask Adam Schiff, hey, Schiffy, you have a Schiffy period where you might, have maybe not been at Langley before, you know, you started at the U.S. Attorney's Office down in Cali. Pretty interesting how the first case you won made national news targeting, guess what, a Russian case. A supposed double agent case where some guy was insane and thought he could just be a double agent for the FBI without the FBI knowing that he was going to be a double agent because he thought he was that smart. I mean, this is one of the most ridiculous cases I've ever heard of. They probably made this guy insane. Kind of like Bradley Manning going in, Chelsea Manning coming out. And guess who gets the prize? Adam Schiff. And then what prize does he get? Election. And then what? Representative of the House. Yes. See, all assets of this global order aren't just in the House or the Senate. They sit in little cushy positions throughout the nation doing their little part. Either they're sitting somewhere in Iowa at ATF, either they're out in California at some museum, either they're out on some port in Rhode Island. We're sitting cushy in public relations offices of certain state departments and treasury You know, that's where they're at. So on that note, and before we head into what the president has been saying, 
I just want everyone to always take a step back when reading news, listening to news, and understanding what they're telling you. Remember, these people were sloppy, remedial, novice. I mean, guys, if I had the control or the access to the domestic and foreign assets that that clown who ran a circus, he ran the circus, he was the ringleader, now he's the clown, did, I would have duped all of the United States, the whole world, and nobody would have known about it. I would have been fanned and fed grapes because of what a great job. These people are so sloppy because they're stupid. And they were so cocky that no one would know and that the media would help prop them up. But come on, guys. See, I've said this before. When projections are put into algorithms to determine political outcomes, what have I always said, for those of you that are longtime listeners, constantly, is that human nature or the human decision or people in general cannot be taken as a a solid variable. Even if treated as nodes, it's unpredictable. Why? Because we have the ability to make our own choices, regardless of how much brainwashing you've been susceptible to. No matter how much media you're being bombarded with, no matter how many times someone will repeat a lie to you 20 million times, you still, at the end of the day, have the right to choose. It's called free will. And that is something they underestimated, thinking that they would win. So after the break, we're going to parse through what the president said before we do a deep dive in Flint. And parse out this rubbish of the Russian ties. I'll tell you the way it is. See you in a bit. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switch to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it. But we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 700 2978 855-700-2978 855-700-2978 That's 855-700-2978 Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. So the first half hour of this part of the show, I wanted people to kind of understand what is necessary in order to be able to parse out information that is not true, viable, or factual. And that's by taking a step back. So today I'm going to tell you about stuff that I have in my um, uh, part two article as well um, in regards to how if you step back, it, um, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. For example, I'll just give a quick example before I start on you know, what President Trump said and then analyze and then fall into this whole general flint. I'm going to tell you first. General Flynn was the most integral component of their Russia, Russia story. And imagine, he was the only one that they can anchor onto for conversations he had with Kislyak that were 100% legal, 100% fine with doing but they made it into something it's not. Why? Obfuscation and not giving credit to the ability of a human being to step back and say, well, hold on a second. And one simple example is after Barack Hussein Obama signed his darn stupid executive order on the 29th of December of 2016, talking about Russians hacking, meddling in the election, etc., which, by the way, imposed new sanctions on Russia on behalf of the U.S., which, by the way, was, what, less than 20 days away from the day that he was leaving office, which, by the way, is really not allowed. Because outgoing administrations do not make any long-impacting decisions so as to not to hinder future incoming administrations. But he was so sure that he was going to stop him from swearing in. 
And when that didn't happen, Mary McCord and Comey kind of took their pants, pulled them up and said, we got to fix this. So they pressed charges on Russians, specifically one young man, Canadian citizen, who at the age of what, 17, was like getting paid via PayPal from random people to send out phishing emails, you know, scamming people's details and stuff. Well, it just so happens that one of those people that were sending him, hey, can you give me emails and account information and stuff through phishing stuff, paid him a, a whole whopping $104. So that kid got paid $104. Even though they gave him a list of like 80 names, he only got like seven of those emails. Had nothing to do with election meddling, yet it was included in the conversation about the election meddling because that incident happened in 2013, right? So this little boy, you know, went to court at the age of 22, you know, four years later, he's in court for something that he got paid a whopping $104. So he was extradited to the U.S. to go to court for this. Extradite someone for $104 for phishing emails. When they were a minor. Really? Here's why. Because it happens to be that that $104 was coming from someone who had links to the Russian military. And guess what? Every single Russian male that's over the age of 18 may have, will probably have, at some point in their life, ties with the Russian military. Do you know why? Because they all have mandatory darn military service so any russian you talk to any russian male that you may be connected to will indeed have russian ties because they have what mandatory military service so it's like saying hey you you have idf connections you are friends with someone who has an idf connection um so yeah i may Well, you know, Israeli defense forces, we're investigating them. Why are you, I'm just making an example. Um, they're Jewish. So mandatory military service. Hello. Are you getting how ridiculous it is? Because when the media, the mainstream media grabs documents, they read them off like, oh my gosh, look at this. They were friends or they had ties that Young man who hacked and sent phishing emails was working with the Russian military. No, he wasn't. Those dudes had just completed their service whenever they did. And they paid him $104 to do what? Fish for emails. But guess what? Why did they go after that kid five years after the fact, three and four years after the fact? Because that's one of the kids that CrowdStrike hired deal with the dnc server we'll get into that later see a lot of people don't know just how elaborate and crazy this is so they went to charge this kid put it on the record that he's tied to russia even though he really wasn't okay so that way when it comes out that CrowdStrike forensically examined the dnc server and they're like oh the russians infiltrated that too they're gonna point to the kid are you guys getting it? This is how they formulate their... They use the courts to back up their lies. So let's get into it. Where should we start? There's so much to say. Um, I guess maybe we should start from... Should we start with Iran or should we start with China? Let's talk about China and Biden. Let's go there first. Because like I said, I'm a little bit confused as to... How's Biden running for office? 
when he's knee-deep in all this corruption. Take a listen. On the swamp, there was one example of it that I just got so angry about, and we talked about it on the show, and you saw it too. Uh, Obama's head of cybersecurity then becomes a lobbyist on cybersecurity for Huawei. I mean, and that's all perfectly above board. He declared it. There's nothing you can do about it. Don't you think that should just not be allowed, that you shouldn't be allowed to lobby for a foreign government? Well, I would be all for that. I think it should be a lifetime ban. You know, some people say five years. We're putting in for five years. But, you know, it's very hard because the same people that are working in government, they work in government and then they go and they take these unbelievable jobs. That happens with me, too. They, you know, they're they're part of your campaign. All of a sudden, they're working with these big... And it's a very tough thing. You know, there's a very fine line. But I would love to see a five-year ban, but I'd actually like to see a lifetime ban. Look at Joe Biden. But it's the lobbying for foreign governments. You see, the foreign governments, they have ambassadors and embassies. Why did they need these lobbyists? I I think it's a disgrace. Look at Joe Biden. He calls them and says, don't you dare prosecute if you don't fire this prosecutor. The prosecutor was after his son. And he said, if you fire the prosecutor... You'll be okay. Yeah. And if you don't fire the prosecutor, we're not giving you $2 billion in loan guarantees or whatever he was supposed to give. Can you imagine if I did that? Well, and never mind that. Look at the, you know, we've reported it, uh, the, the relationship with China. Wait, let's stop there for a second. Never mind that. No, let's mind that. When he was vice president, he blackmailed the Ukraine to get off his son's butt. Oh, if you don't do it, then we won't give you federal tax dollars to back the loans you need. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Misusing your office as vice president to do what? Personal gain? Uh, hello, illegal. How is this guy running again? Remind me. Because there's a lot of things I want to say. How is he running again? How are the FISA court judges still sitting on the bench? Why is Ellis still on a bench? He should have been fired on the spot when he said treason to our general. Mm. Lots of questions. How is this even happening? How is this allowed? A hundred percent. I mean, what's that? You know, I call him Joe China. If there's a reason... Don't you think that should be investigated? That financial connection... The Chinese government putting billions of dollars into Biden family business. 100%. It's a a disgrace. And then he says China is not a competitor of ours. China is a massive competitor of ours. They want to take over the world, okay? They have China 2020, you know, they have 2025, Mm -hmm. right? China 25. That means that in six years now, I said to President Xi, that's very insulting because it's not going to happen. And it's very insulting to me. And you notice they don't use that anymore. They don't use it. It was very insulting to me because it's not going to happen. Not with me, but with Biden. He says they're not a competitor. Then they take a lot of money from China. And I'll tell you what, if there's one reason outside of the normal reasons that the deal so far hasn't gone through, I think it will because they're getting killed with the tariffs. China's getting totally Mm -hmm. killed. I told you, companies are leaving massive amounts of because of the tariffs. They're getting hurt badly. But if there's one reason that China and you understand what I'm going to say, didn't make that deal. It's because they're hoping that in 16 months, Donald Trump will be defeated by any one of those Democrats and they'll go back to making $500 billion a year. And I understand that. I mean, I could really frankly understand because it's not going to happen with me. What we're doing to China, I saw somebody this morning on one of the shows, actually, who I've never been a big fan. 
said that this is the first time in 50 years that anybody from the West has ever taken on China. Up next, President Trump on Mayor Pete, the 2020 election. Yeah, we don't care about Mayor Pete, do we? I don't personally. So listen to what he was saying about Biden. That is the important portion of this, you know, whole interview that he has misused his office for personal gain to help his son, that he is aligning with China. And China, yes, I've told you this before, it's all about world domination where the West collapses and we're dependent on them, and we don't collapse. The global order is just set into motion, and we are interdependent with China as China grows. China, for some reason, thinks that history doesn't repeat itself. President Xi has not learn from history, has not seen through the dynasties, through even what happened to Mao, that you cannot get aggressive, that their, their, their philosophy of standing tall to withstand the wind, to be the trees that cut the wind off from coming down to their people should be upheld if they want to succeed at some point, may take a few more millennia, but inevitably may happen because of the way and the direction the world is going in. So what he's done with China, the talks that he's done with China, the way he has moved on China is a really, really big deal. It is a very big deal, and I don't see how people don't understand that. Take a listen to what else he says on China trade. How important is the technology theft, so, all of that stuff? A lot of people won't be happy with this answer, but I'm very happy now. We're taking in billions of dollars. Uh, China is obviously not doing well like us. You know, since I've been here, since I've been president, we've made almost $10 trillion in wealth, and China has lost $10 trillion in wealth. They've lost a tremendous amount. They've gone, you know, they've had a, mm -hmm. you see what's happening. Their economy is not great. Our economy has been fantastic because they were catching us. They were going to be bigger than us. If Hillary Clinton became president, China would have been a much bigger economy than us by the end of her term. And now it's not even going to be close. So what do you think of that analysis? A lot of people um, look at what China, the statements of Chinese leaders. They've written it down in speeches and so on. And they say, look, China's got a clear plan. They want to replace the U.S. as the superpower by in not going to happen. Time. Not going to happen with me. But do you do you believe that that's their intention? Yes, I do. I think that's their intention. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, they're very ambitious people. They're very smart. Uh, they're great people. It's a great. Yeah. It's a great culture. An amazing culture. You know, when I had President Xi, I was showing him the Lincoln bedroom and the White House, and I said this was built in 1799. You know, I think of yeah. that as being really old. But to him, that's like a modern house, China, because <laughs> right. they have 3,000 and 4,000-year-old places, right? Uh, but no, it's a great culture. It's an amazing culture. Perspective, right? So he's giving perspective to people to understand just how not smart, not seasoned the United States as a country is. This was a very important statement he made, because I've said that before. These people have been around for thousands of years. Here we are you know, an infant compared to them as a nation, an infant that is now in those terrible twos, <laughs> terrible threes, the toddler years, two to four, where we're fighting amongst each other rather than growing up. This is the time where you realize if your nation will withstand the test of time or not. And keep in mind nations like Italy, 
Greece, Spain. Well, I guess we'll just stick with Italy, Greece, and Egypt. Egypt has a little bit standed, but they veered from where they were as a kingdom. But the Greeks and the Italians, so many thousands of years of history, look at them. They're not even sovereign anymore. They're fighting to get their sovereignty back because they had gotten so comfortable. Even though they passed those humps, even though they passed, you know, all their failures and wins and changes throughout thousands of years, they failed. China hasn't. So this is important. Two with amazing people. And I like him a lot, but he's for China and I'm for us. So there's a little bit of a conflict. My exclusive conversation with President Trump is just getting started. Coming up, Iran, infrastructure, healthcare, Russia, Joe China, and more. Welcome back, everyone. Is the United States heading towards another Middle East showdown, this time with Iran? It's making big news this week, and it's one of the things I asked President Trump directly about in the Rose Garden. Let's move on to another hot spot, Iran, right. Middle East. Right. Tell, tell us what's, what your analysis is of what's going on right now. Well, look, Iran's been a problem for so many years. If you go back, just take a look at all of the conflict that they've caused. And the deal that President Obama made was a horror show, the Iran nuclear deal, because basically it says that in five years from now, they're going to have an open path to making nuclear weapons. We don't need another country with that. And frankly, especially them. We don't need it. So he made this terrible deal, paid $150 mm-hmm. billion, dollars, paid $1.8 billion in cash. That means cash, like I mean out of your pocket. Cash, green. Nobody's ever heard of a thing like that. I don't- okay, well, let's just stop right there one second before he continues. So a horror show of a nuclear deal. So the deal was that because they're the front, they're the washing machine, they launder the money, they pay the mercenaries, they're not allowed to defend themselves against people. And their punishment is to maintain no weapons, no ability to defend themselves, no nuclear weapons, nothing. Everybody else can have weapons. They can't because they're doing the most sensitive and most dark work there is, which is funding terrorist groups to push the global order's agenda. Now, what he said was $1.8 billion cash. I love the way he says cash, right? So cash, never heard of before. Where did this cash go? Why did it go to them? Where did the cash end up after it went through them? Those are questions that we should get answers to. I mean, never heard of a president just loading up a plane with unmarked, varied currency bills and sending it off to a country, have you? But this happened and no one batted an eyelash. I don't know if you've ever seen at a casino promotion a million dollars in hundred dollar bills. It's a lot of area. What's a billion eight like? So he paid all of this money made a terrible deal. We don't have good inspection rights. We're not even allowed to, we weren't even allowed to inspect some of the most important sites like military mm-hmm. bases, certain things where they would do it. Okay. The deal was terrible. When I first came to office, one of the first meetings I had was at the Pentagon with generals and they were showing me the Middle East and they had 14 or 15 sites where there was nothing but war problems. Every single one of those sites was instigated by Iran. It was Iran military. It was people paid by Iran. It was- 
Are you paying attention? This is what I've been telling you. People paid by Iran that everything has been instigated by Iran. Why? They are ADP for terrorists, right? For the global order. So picture them as the payroll people for mercenaries globally to push this agenda. It was just, you have no idea. It was just, I said, this is terrible. They were so strong. I ended the Iran nuclear deal. And actually, I must tell you, I had no idea it was going to be as strong as it was. It totally, the country is is devastated from the standpoint of the economy. But now you see, the, the thing that I think a lot of people are worried about is that they heard what you said in 2016 and liked it when you said no more stupid wars. And then they hear these stories about troops and so I just on. don't want them to have nuclear weapons. And they can't be threatening us. And you know, with all of, uh, I just, I just with all of everything that's going on, and I'm not one that believes, you know, I'm not somebody that wants to go into war. Because war hurts economies, war kills people, most importantly, by far most importantly. I think that if you look, when I went to North Korea, there were nuclear tests all the time. There were missiles going up all the time. We had a very... I'm just going to play that just one more second. Aside from the chirping birds he has in his background, listen to what he says. When I went... Or kills people, most importantly, by right far, here. most importantly. I think that if you look, when I went to North Korea, there were... When I went to North Korea. Did you guys know he went to North Korea? Are you paying attention now? Were nuclear tests all the time. There were missiles going up all the time. We had a very rough time. Then we got along. We'll see what happens right now. Right now, I don't think I told him when I left Vietnam right. where we had the summit... I said to, I said to Chairman Kim, and I think very importantly, I said, look, you're not ready for a deal because he wanted to get rid of one or two sites, but he has five sites. I said, what about the other three sites? That's no good. We're going to make a deal. Let's make a real deal. But they haven't had any tests over the last two years. It's zero. There's a chart and it shows 24 tests, 22 tests, 18 tests. Then I come and once I'm there for a little while, you mm -hmm. know, we went through a pretty rough rhetorical period. But once I'm there for a little while, no test, no test, no test. So let's see what happens. So but, I, I but you cannot let Iran have nuclear weapons. I want to read you something Lindsey Graham said. Okay. Uh, your friend Lindsey Graham. Yes. Uh, he, he was in a magazine profile and he Do you hear that? Your friend Lindsey Graham. Reported on a conversation he had with you, and he said that you said to him, the trouble with you, Lindsey, is you want to invade everywhere except the places I want to invade. Well, so my question is, where does he want to invade? But more importantly, where do you want to invade? I want to invade, if I have to, economically. We've created a much stronger country economically than when I took it over. When I took it over, we were heading south. Our GDP would have been very negative. Regulations didn't allow you to do... You know, yesterday, as you probably saw, I was in Louisiana, opening up a $10 billion LNG plant. Okay, so Lindsey Graham, the supposed patriot tells people about this conversation. And we all know where Lindsey Graham wants to invade. Black gold, take the front of the Middle East. But you know where the president wants to go? Yep, that dark continent. We want to power it. We want to feed it. We want to network it with water. We want to make a fortune. And we want to bring them to the forefront of the economy. That's where we want to invade. Not by war. No, no, no. And see, our allies in Northern Africa and what would be considered the Middle East, are deporting 
those in Africa that they've actually had as slaves. Because, you know, people think that slavery doesn't happen, that it's done. What you don't know is, is that you don't know African politics. My niche is the European, Middle Eastern, and African continents. And more so, I guess, it would be the geopolitics and um, petrodollar relations. But my knowledge in Africa is pretty vast. And I could tell you that's exactly where a president wants to. Let's invest money there. That's an investment. No one's dumped money. Why are we not dumping money? Gosh, darn it. It's all those charities, right? So companies are not allowed to go to Africa and put up power lines for people, put out, you know, sewage systems, water systems. No, they're not allowed. But, you know, charities like the Clinton Foundation, Oprah, the Obama Foundation, the Michelle Obama Foundation, MacArthur's, all of them are able to go in there and do what? Why are the Chinese on the eastern coast of Africa extracting slaves? Why are they just north of South Africa mining and using slaves? Slaves, I'm saying it again, slaves. And countries that are our allies, that you know are under scrutiny from racist groups, from bigoted, anti-Semitic rhetoric, all of them that are our allies up there have now ceased Ever since, right before, well, actually, I think Bibi started it when he took over. They've stopped that trade. They've stopped the trade, and you guys don't, if you stand on the moon, you'll see it. That's why I say, take perspective. What our president is talking about is huge. He went to North Korea, did he? Did you know that he went to North Korea? I don't know. He said it, and if you look at the video, he meant it. Obviously recouping himself, saying, oh, and then when I left Vietnam, mm -hmm, we get it. We know, and that's fine. You do you. The bottom line is, let's give every country the hand to step up on the podium and compete. Let's give every human being born on this planet the ability to work, prosper, and exist and create their footprints. Now, after this break, we're just going to talk domestic. That's all I have to say on that because tomorrow we'll talk about Iran. Today, we're going to talk about the deep state, what they did to General Flynn, and, you know, at this point, impeaching Barack Hussein Obama is actually an obligation with what we have. wonder how that is affecting Biden. I'll see you all just after this break. everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So this is the second part of the hour, and like promised, 
All we're going to talk about is Flynn and their plan and how they anchored themselves to Flynn. That was their plan all along, wasn't it? It was. That is the only way they would be able to establish their claws into trying to desolate, collapse our infrastructure by bringing in migrants. So it's important that I, that I just play shortly just a small clip of what the president has to say on his immigration plan. That's all. And all it is is deep dive Flynn after this. At Steve Hilton X and at NextRev FNC and let us know what you think. I started with the big policy news of the week, the president's new immigration plan. Take a look. Mr. President, great to see you. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, So much going on. I want to start with your new immigration plan. Yes. Just tell us what you're aiming to achieve with that. Well, really, very simply, we have companies coming in here, as you know, by the dozens and by the hundreds and big ones, car companies. Honda's coming in with $14.5 billion. We have a tremendous amount of uh, very, very top of the line. And they're coming back. We need people. We need people. And our unemployment now is down to 3.6, and I think it's going a lot lower. We're doing really well. I want to make sure that anybody that comes into our country comes in through merit. You know that very well. I watch your show all the time. And we want it coming in through merit. That's what we have to have. We can't do the other. It's, it's just not possible. And what we want to do is uh, put up a very strong border. We'll have, by the end of next year, 450 to 500 miles built of the water wall, of the wall itself and the border wall. And it's imperative. You know, I read so much where the Democrats like to say, you don't need, we're going to have drones flying around. You have thousands of people. The drone doesn't do a thing. So the wall is being built as we speak. We'll have... Uh, Close to 500 miles done by the end of next year, which is... Okay, so, um, just like he said, the wall is being built. That's it. It's done. But, um, and he talked about drones. And the reason I'm saying this is because there's a specific block of GOP blockers, right, that are pushing that. One of them is namely Senator John Hoven, right? So... Before I get into that, I don't want to talk much about it again this week because we want to talk about General Flynn, and that is all we're going to talk about. Um, But I just wanted to mention that last week I told you guys about Senator Harry Reid. You know, that clown that filed a lawsuit against the TheraBand, you know, those exercise bands, and he complained about it hitting him in the face and sued them. You know, he's the one that says that he's no longer a senator because of, you know, that. Well, who was in the news today? Senator Harry Reid. And why did I mention him? Because he talked about, remember when John Brennan talked about Senator Graham and his ilk? Do you remember that? And I said, I'll tell you who um, uh, Lindsey Graham's ilk is. Well, Harry Reid told us who it is. And the reason I brought up Harry Reid, because he was that senator that was actually caught with prostitutes some couple decades ago in Nevada, peeing on things. And it just so happened that he was the first person in the Senate to talk about the dossier on November 1st, when on October 31st, Mother Jones published that article pretty close in proximity. And you know who the ilk is? The Klan with Graham 
and McCain and our Tennessee senators that are so good right now, huh? Included Senator John Hoven. So drones, Senator Reed, Hoven's got to have some sublinguals in his pocket because he's got to pop that nitro. He must be sweating. His heart must be racing. But that will be the topic of tomorrow. Today, let's focus on Flynn. So let's start with what happened. So, like I said in the beginning of the hour during the introduction, General Flynn was pushed out. He was forced to retire, right? He was resigned. Nobody likes a soldier that serves the people. And you would say, what? That's the whole purpose. When you get stars, it's not. You're supposed to serve the administration. Because unfortunately, your president is the commanding officer. Now, when your commanding officer is doing or funding or acting in ways that are against the people that you are supposed to be defending, and you kind of just mention it and say, hmm, and they ignore you, and then you make it more public as to push them to do something or respond or take, you know, some form of responsibility you get retired. Now, during that ceremony, I have to tell you, Admiral Rogers gave a great speech about General Flynn. Yes, he did. Clapper and Brennan were sitting there in the front row, gleeful. You know, because what people don't know is that Carlin, John Carlin, who's now, who resigned, in September of 2016, because Judge Collier wasn't happy with the certifications he filed for the 702 um, FISA violations that they've been doing, uh, you know, for so many years, right? So he resigned, but he was the one that championed this, along with Clapper, of course. They needed to get rid of Flynn. So funny, though, right? Someone else was supposed to be giving a speech about Flynn, but he couldn't make it to the ceremony. Do you know why? Because the reason Flynn was retiring was the reason why he couldn't go, because ISIS was out of control. So ironic that I'm being retired for speaking up about something that on the day that I'm being retired comes out to be true. So General Flynn, like I said, was a main component. There's a lot of people talking, well, he was... He was re-upped for his classification with the DIA. He this, he that. Stop. You need to understand just how long they have been monitoring Americans. When I say Judge Collier shouldn't be sitting on a bench, I say it and I mean it because it's not just the fact that she signed off on these fake FISA warrants and took the word of the people that she's already been scolding for violating the law. Not just that. The fact that she allowed them to perpetuate. She knew it was brought to her attention. She put her foot down and said, you're spying on people. Why are you capturing the upstreams? 
Why are you capturing NSA upstreams and keeping it? Why is it so selective? You know what they responded with in 2015 and 2014? Oh, it's an algorithm error. We're fixing it. Oh, gosh darn it. You know, with all these cyber things, we're trying. So every three months, they were back in the FISA court giving another excuse as to what they were doing. Gave a couple of documents showing like they're fixing it when they weren't. And it comes down to September 2016 where, you know... John Carlin had to deposit those 702 certifications. Not good enough. But on that day, he petitioned to extend the FISA court's ability to allow them to fix this. That there wasn't going to be any massive disruption because of elections. Because we can't just shut it down. We can't shut down the 702, up, you know, the Section 702 NSA upstream. We need all that stuff. We're going through elections. We're under threat. We must. And Comey, Clapper, Lynch, all of them. Brennan sat there in front of them. Yeah, you know, looking like scolded spanked children, supposedly. (laughs) Collier was in on it. She doesn't deserve to be on the bench. Do you know why? Because, yes, she has to give him some credibility. That's the executive office. I mean, do you really go against Barack Hussein Obama? Especially when he's in power, even though he's on his way out. So it was then when she approved the extension until December, she approved it and said, all right, you better fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We identified that it's not just algorithms, but human error. So we're going to fix it. Carlin resigns. McCord slips in. Boom. A couple weeks later, same judge signs off on the initial FISA warrants. Boom, boom, boom. But the thing is, Flynn wasn't monitored under a FISA warrant. (laughs) 72 upstream, 72 hour upstream. From the NSA captured this 36 months prior to his conversations with the Russian ambassador Kislyak. They were already monitoring him. They were monitoring you, me, Papadopoulos, anybody within the orbit of the president. If you've made a phone call to Don Jr., Eric Trump Jr., his kids, you know, any of his kids, his wife, Grandkids, not like they have phones, <laughs> but you know, if you're a, a classmate of Barron's, if you nannied, if you're the bellhop, they've been monitoring you. If you worked at a Starbucks on a Trump, you know, site, they've been monitoring you. Yep, everything they've been monitoring illegally. But you know, Flynn was in the middle of it because here's what it is Flynn to them, based on Obama. And what Obama put down on paper, remember how I told you in the previous hour how this one child was outsourced by CrowdStrike to help formulate the code to make it look like a Russian hack. Do you remember that? Okay. So that kid in Canada was outsourced portions of the codes, like they outsourced to everyone, because this is how you remove yourself and say, oh, gosh darn it, they must have falsified it. It's not our fault. We're reputable. Look at us. Two weeks ago, we were on 60 Minutes. Are you kidding? Oh, my gosh. See, they're Russian. But that was done in 2017, guys. So in 2017, they took that kid to trial to make it look like he linked up with Russians for 104 bucks for when he was a minor and gave him five years prison in 2018. Why in 2018? Why was the sentencing delayed? Because the president of the United States of America is not stupid. That's why. Because if I know it, he knows it. Are you catching it? So what is it with General Flynn? Well, 
we can kind of manufacture information. You know, he does have a long service record that it's kind of sealed under presidential stuff and things may be missing and we got testimony and we'll get a lot of 302s and whatever we need and whatever we used to ensure that he is tainted. So if he ever comes out and wags his tongue, we'll just smack him down. And we know what he does. So we'll just follow him. Not only him, but his son. Oh, you want your son to be okay? Oh, maybe we should probe your son's business. Oh, maybe we should talk about this. Maybe we should release some tax records. Maybe this. I'm not saying that anything is there, but you know what? It doesn't have to be there. They could just make it up. Kind of like they made up how this kid was linked to Russian military. Why? Because those people had completed their mandatory military service. So now the kid is considered a Russian asset because he was paid by someone who had completed mandatory service. Kind of like the way a Muslim uh, nation that implements Sharia and hates Israel will say that all of us are related to IDF (laughs) soldiers because we might have a friend that's Jewish that had completed their mandatory term. Like, that's how ridiculous it is. See, you don't need facts. Because where was the judge when they tried this kid? To say, well, why are you saying that he's Russian-connected? I mean, these guys, they're not really Russian military. They were forced to join the military to keep their Russian citizenship or else they go to jail or exiled. I mean, it's not like they were working for Putin, but they were in the military, so that means they were working for Putin. Are you getting it now? So they manufacture things that sound more elaborate than they really are on paper. It's like saying, hey, you, John, you're listening. Dude, didn't you run a campaign for your neighbor who had cancer? Well, you took all this money and you haven't given it to your neighbor. Well, I haven't taken it either. It's still on, you know, GoFundMe because my neighbor didn't give me an account yet. Still waiting for it. Oh, he defrauded people and collected money that he never gave to his neighbor. Um... No, I didn't. It's still there. But regardless, you didn't give it to your neighbor, so you're a fraud. Do you see how that works? That's how corrupt people work. They take nothing and make it something by obfuscating exculpatory facts, exculpatory information. Same thing here with Flynn. So here's how it goes. Let's pretend I was the the national security advisor for the president of the United States. Okay, Tori, I am. And I'm sitting in my office, first days at work, and I'm like, yo, what's up? This is so awesome. We're going to totally rock it. We're going to make America great again. Yeah. And I get a call from McCabe. And during this call, me and McCabe are talking, and McCabe's like, whoa, there's like a massive leak of information. Such a massive leak about your talks with Kislyak. I mean, it's incredible. You know, what's going on here, Tori? Well, well, you already know what the phone calls are about. I'm assuming you already heard them, so I don't see what the issue is. Yeah, yeah, but you know the leak and everything. I think it's important that I send some of my guys from the FBI to talk to you. Yeah, well, how did this leak happen? Like, what's going on? Can you explain? I say, right? So then McCabe's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tori, I'm just going to send you a couple guys so we could go over this and see what's going on. All right, that's fine. Do you want to have like anybody there with you, a friend, a lawyer? Nah, man. I, I didn't leak it to anyone, so we're good. Uh, anything I can do to help to find out who the leakers are, okay? 
all right, says McCabe, and he sends me over, Strzok and some other redacted clown. And they come to my office, and I'm like, yo, what's up? Come here. Let me give you a tour. I'm so excited. This is so awesome. Take a look. And so not only that, I give them a tour. They pass by the president who's, like, directing people with artwork. You know, he's moving into the White House. It's like, yo, what's up? So we're talking. I'm talking about surfing, my kids, my grandkids. And I'm like, you know, let's talk. I don't know how these leaks happened. Like, what's going on, you know? But here's the thing. Strzok comes in to ask me these questions, but he's instructed by McCabe and James Baker, the general counsel for the FBI, hey, don't tell Tori this is an interrogatory setting. Don't tell her that if she lies that, uh, you know, she it's a crime. Like, I just want this to be a relaxed conversation. So here's where it gets a little bit muddy for me, okay? And I'm just going to take it a step back. So... We all know that an interrogation, whether it happens at the airport, on your front porch, your friend's front porch, jail, basketball court, in your cubicle, or at the White House, it's an interrogatory meeting with questioning. So in some effect, you're deprived the right of freedom, right? And in fact, are legally considered to be in custody. So when someone is interrogating you or asking you questions and anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law, you are technically in the eyes of the law in custody. Thus, if the intention of the discussion isn't being disclosed to you, so Strzok comes to me and doesn't disclose, yo, whatever you tell me, you know, if you lie to me, it's a crime because this is an interrogatory, not so much like you know, hey, let's, let's exchange pleasantries. Uh, it's the same thing as a cop not giving you the Miranda rights. Because making the, the Miranda rights are something that, you know, beat cops or whatever have to read to you when you're under arrest or if they're questioning you, right? You have the right to remain silent. You don't have to answer these questions, whatever. You know, a lot of people forget that. So um, what someone needs to understand is, is that telling you that, hey, you know, when you talk to the FBI, if you make a false statement, it's considered a crime. I mean, if, it, if you ever call the FBI to file a complaint, they'll tell you that too. Maybe you'll hear it on a recording if you're on hold, or you'll see it online when you submit your complaint. Um, this isn't really important, you guys. So they omitted an obligatory statement, which is providing false or omitting information when interviewed by the FBI is a criminal offense. Um, but the thing is the scope that he knew of wasn't coming. So here's the thing. So the decision for them not to make that obligatory statement should in fact, for me, if anything, be the sole basis of invalidating any 302s pertaining to the conversation of, or uh, that they had with General Flynn and any evidence they derived based on the conversation that they had with General Flynn. So General Flynn said, yeah, 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 I went to the Starbucks on the corner there, right? And they went there and then they found that at that Starbucks, I don't know, he didn't pee in the, in the common toilet, but he went to the handicapped one. And that's evidence of him not using the right bathroom. They could use that as evidence. Well, because they didn't give him the obligatory statement that, hey, yo, if you lie to us, you know, it's a crime, then they can't use the evidence they collected based on the information he gave them. Get it? So that's number one. 
here's where my issue is. Number two is we all know that Peter Strzok's 302s went missing. Remember? Those went missing. The 302s went missing, and they were then created at a later date, right by around the time of his exit interview or his interview with Mueller. So keep in mind, no 302s after the meeting, right? Well, he made them, but they disappeared. And then six to seven months later, he decides to write a 302 about his meeting from January. So that's like six months after the fact, at least, right? So I'm thinking, darn, six months ago. Do I remember word for word a conversation I've had with someone? Probably not. Do I remember word for word uh, or minute by minute play how it happened? Would I remember details? Would I remember information provided? No, I wouldn't. That's the thing. That not only did they not have the 302 just there, but they sat there and formulated the 302s later as if they were really fresh in their memory. Now, what's really weird is, is that what was portrayed, okay, what was portrayed by McCabe is pretty incredible. His statement clearly identifies that he had no problem talking about his conversations with Kislyak, which are not illegal at all. Actually, and this is going to be coming on my part two segment, in the past, administrations have just have done that. During the transition period, you're considered quasi-official, right? You are the incoming administration. You have the right to speak to foreign nations and uh, talk about your incoming agenda. You do. Uh, prime examples are Eisenhower and Nixon. So in a nutshell, Eisenhower's campaign um, was based on promises that he told Americans that we'd like, you know, um, end Korea. Like it would be done. And here's the cool thing. The minute he was elected within months of his presidency, um, he had the armistice sign ending the Korean War. How did he do that? Because during the transition period... After he was elected, after he was elected, right? He and the selected entourage traveled to Korea and had conversations about ending the war. So he started negotiations during his transition period. Are you getting this? So during his transition period, he not only had phone calls and sent faxes or wires, he literally flew over there with his own convoy of his incoming administration and was like, yo, let's talk a deal. This is how he was able to end the war and keep his promises. Nixon, on the other hand, also promised during his campaign that he would end the war in Vietnam. But he wasn't able to deliver immediately. Do you know why? Because just like the Obama administration acted towards Trump. That's the way the Johnson administration was to Nixon. There was so much animosity, so little communication during that transition period after Nixon was elected. There's so much, they had no idea what was going on. Nixon, after was elected during the transition period, right? That time until he actually takes the office, sent Henry Kissinger, his incoming national security advisor. So kind of the equivalent of what general Flynn was to meet with North Vietnamese persons to resurrect conversations on the delayed or stymied Paris peace talks. And Johnson was pissed, saying, well, you can't do this. You're undermining me. And it's like, uh, stop. 
the transitional, the presidential transitional act of 1963 says you, Mr. Johnson, need to take a seat. You're not allowed to make any deals, put any sanctions, or talk with any countries that would have an impact on the incoming administration. Ergo, what Obama was doing. Obama is not supposed to make any decisions that impacts the president's policies. Yet in December of 2016, he did crazy, crazy things. Specifically, he went through and pushed for the Security Council of the UN to put forward the vote to sanction Israel. And what did Flynn do? He called up uh, Russia. He was talking with the ambassadors. He's like, hey, yo, delay the vote, please, because Obama's trying to expedite this, which Obama did. He wasn't supposed to do that. That's a long-standing agreement you're getting into. You should have said, guys, there's another administration coming. I can't do it. You got to wait three weeks. But he did it. Then he imposes sanctions on Russia. Super, super, super quick. How is that even possible? Why are you doing this? It's actually not allowed. Especially when you haven't provided any defensive briefing to the incoming administration. We'll pick this up right after the break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. MyPillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable MyPillow is with its patented interlocking fill. MyPillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So um, I just want to delve in because we only have half an hour. How did my show go by so quick? Oh, my gosh. Please tell me that all of you felt that it was quick, too. So um, so what, you, what I was trying to demonstrate to you in the first half hour in regards to General Flynn is that the conversations he had with the Russians were no way even close to the story that they were pushing about Russia collusion. In fact... They tried to anchor that, those conversations, to justify the 36 months of monitoring General Flynn. Do you understand what I am telling you? This is just how sloppy, remedial, pedestrian, and stupid they are. Because they had everything writing on this. Everyone needs to circle back to see the environment and what was going on. And in the second article, I'm even inserting tweets, breaking news from CNN. Russians hacked us. They meddled in our elections on his outgoing on the 29th of December. Sanctions. Here's the thing. It's important that people need to understand that an incoming president like President Trump has to be considerate to the fact that the outgoing president is still president for 90 days or so, right? We have to understand that. And I believe that President Trump was very cordial about it. In fact, he didn't sit there and say, oh, well, I spoke with Russia and I'm totally against this and that is insane and why is he doing this? He didn't. Instead, his national security advisor was making those conversations in confidence, in private, and keep in mind, always monitored or recorded. So, and not because, um, you know... Uh, he wanted, uh, he was monitored illegally, but because he documented them, the DIA knew all contacts he had throughout his career. Do you know how many people General Flynn has met? I mean, in my career, I've met tons of people and they could say I'm an agent. This is how ridiculous it is. It's like saying, well, you know that person and they're from Georgia and Georgia's on our watch list and they're connected with the Georgian military. No, duh. They they had to do a mandatory service. It's like telling me, Tori, you are linked with the Greek armed the Greek armed forces because your cousins and all your male cousins are linked to the Greek military forces. No duh, mandatory military service. So now I'm an agent because they had a complete mandatory service. Are you getting where I'm going? This is just how dumb it is. But here's the thing, Obama, even though he was treated with respect. The president didn't really come out and say his policies are stupid. He's a clown. He's out. You know, he was still talking about, well, I thought that Hillary said that she was going to accept the results, and she's not, right? Nothing about Obama's policies. He was very, very 
discreet. But Obama, on the other hand, being petty, nasty, and upset, representing the whole global order, like you saw with Merkel, Macron, Juncker, all those clowns, Brennan, Comey, the whole nine yards. While he was exiting the White House, even though he was supposed to deal with only pressing issues to ensure, uh, you know, that the U.S. is safe and make sure that any policies that he implements are short-lived not to impact the incoming administration, his actions were very contrary and raised concerns of his abuse of office and jeopardizing national security for spite. Okay? So remember, the actions that Barack Hussein Obama was taking in December were not mindful and certainly not intended to be short-lived, as courtesy expects. Remember Bush 41? He got tons of heat. Do you remember why he got tons of heat? Because he was doing, what was it? Um, uh, what was he doing? <clears throat> it had to do with war policies. Uh, he was sending troops and he said, he was it Libya? Gosh darn it. I'm trying to remember where he sent them. Uh, Bush 41 had sent troops out and said that those troops would be back before Clinton takes office. You know, that was his thing. Well, they didn't. And he was scrutinized for that saying that now he left Clinton with that mess that he started during the transition period. Well, this is exactly what Obama did. He started the whole mess of the UN Security Council going against Israel for building settlements or doing whatever. He implemented that. He expedited the vote, even though he knew the incoming administration did not want to vote in favor for it. Obama pushed it. Are you getting it? This is just how they work. So actions that he took were intentional. Intentional because he was throwing a wrench into his administration. In addition, he was building up the conversation of Russia collusion. Why? Because even though they had BS manufactured evidence that they paid for, that they put forward, that they had in the FISA warrant, which, mind you, was renewed in January too, they all had a secret get-together in January right before the president was to take his oath of office. And that meeting was with all their so-called evidence. And now, with the amplified message, the General Flynn was an agent of the Russians chit-chatting with the ambassador, and the public opinion was being formulated, oh, no, they were talking in secret. No, it wasn't secret. It's called discretion. So you don't undermine a sitting president who's on his way out. They started to amplify it. Schiff was all there. Oh my gosh, and they were talking. This is, Trump is a Russian agent. They did this, and they colluded. These are crimes, and it's not even a crime. It's actually 100% legal. Trump could have flown to Moscow as president-elect, and it would have been fine. The media amplified it. Why? Because they wanted to sway Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Roberts, to sign an opinion to give an order to say that President Trump cannot swear in until these investigations into his ties with Russia were done. In addition, if he couldn't do that, the first thing they wanted is the annulment of the election so we can have re-election. This is why you see in December, in the beginning of January, all they said was like, maybe we should give Obama a third term or extended. We need a redo on the elections. Pay attention. This is what they did. And Flynn was a prop. General Flynn was a prop. A whole prop. And then other people are like, well, why did he plea? Well, here's the thing. 
If you come into my office and I'm the national security advisor to the president and you're a federal cop, because that's what FBI is. You're coming to ask me questions about these leaks. The content of my discussion doesn't fall within your scope unless otherwise specified by you. So I assume you only have a certain amount of clearance. Unless Strzok came to my office and said, Tori, here's my credential. I've got, you know, TSSEI. I've got everything. And I've been briefed on uh, these, uh, this, um, you know, foreign relations or I'm uh, capable or I have compartmentalized access to Russian intelligence. Here's my credentials. Then I can talk to you about what I talked about with Kislyak. Other than that, you don't get the conversation because me talking to you about sensitive information is in itself a crime because I don't even know what your credentials are. And I know it sounds odd, but that's the way it is. It's like you and me sitting down for a conversation. Both of us can have top secret clearance, right? Both of us. Blah, 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 blah. But then you start talking about a topic, let's pretend it's about Africa. And you're like, yeah, you know, X, Y, Z. They penetrated this area and then there was resistance here and this happened and then this embassy came in. What what are your takes on that? Well, I don't know if you have a need to know. You can have the clearance, but you have to have a need to know. means that you have compartmentalized access to that information because you have been briefed or you are in part part of that conversation. I'll just be there. I I don't know what you're talking about. Let's talk about something else. That is how I will respond. You get it? That is how someone who knows their job will respond. You'll lie, you'll obfuscate, and you'll change the subject because you're not allowed to talk about it. Not allowed. So that is how it goes. So this is what happened. So how is he going to sit there and talk about details of a conversation with someone he believes doesn't have access to it. Like even with McCain, he was very, um, new McCain, McCabe, he was very neutral. General Flynn told him, yeah, you know, we expressed, uh, exchanged condolences, uh, which is pleasantries. I don't know why he called them condolences. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to build relationships with the Russians and this is what we were talking about. This is what McCabe said. He didn't tell him what they were talking about unless he heard it because it even says Flynn He then stated that I probably knew what was said. And I reiterated that in light of everything that has been said about these contacts, the important thing us now is to hear directly from him what he said and how he felt about the conversations. So what did you say? Nothing much except for try to delay the darn vote. Nothing much except for, hey, you know, just respond to the new sanctions he put uh, reciprocally. Don't go crazy on it. We're incoming. This is a long, you know, because what Obama did was indeed in itself a crime. So McCabe says that he disclosed the conversations he had to McCabe, but he didn't say anything or he lied or admitted to Peter Strzok. I mean, both statements cannot be true because in the end, Peter Strzok was reporting to McCabe. So how do you figure? That's the thing. It doesn't, it's so obfuscating of money. But the bottom line is, What we see from the Obama administration, from the minute the president of the United States was elected, when Trump was elected in November, all the way up until the day he swore in, is a deliberate disruption of the transfer of executive power. 
And everyone talks about this defense, uh, defensive briefing. I've been talking about it. So this is why in my part one Russia hoax article, I laid out to you all the people that are supposed to be in charge for the transition of power. Lynch even said, and I quote, Here's the investigator asking, did you ever discuss whether Trump campaign should be defensively briefed on either Carter Page or George Papadopoulos? If they were under scrutiny, why didn't the FBI or DOJ make Trump aware? Lynch. I was certainly aware that this was an option, but I don't know what, if anything, ever happened to that option. Without getting into specific discussions, it's certainly an option that one would consider, but I don't know if those actions were ever taken. The investigator says, Were you involved in discussing defensive briefings with the Trump campaign about Carter and Papadopoulos? Lynch, not to the level of giving direction. Again, I'm just being careful because of the nature of the information. Certainly it was an option, but at a very early stage, you would have it as an option and you would evaluate it as time goes on. And I don't have any information about further resolution of that issue. So first of all, she called the defensive briefing an option. Now the defensive briefing is optional up until the date of election, meaning you have the option to, def- to, to debrief and provide defensive briefing to all candidates that are on the ballot, right? So in this case, it was Hillary Clinton and President Trump. I'm telling you, like I said in the article, Hillary got her defensive briefing in August of 2016. Trump never got his defensive briefing. Not before he was elected and not after he was elected. Now again, the statute in regards to the Presidential Transition Act of 1963, as stated by Congress, is that any disruption occasioned by the transfer of the executive power could produce results detrimental to the safety and well-being of the United States and its people. So the fact that President Barack Hussein Obama did not provide an undisrupted, seamless, well, it doesn't have to be seamless, there could be hiccups, whatever, undisrupted and transparent transfer of executive power means that he intended to cause harm to President Trump and his administration and in turn cause harm to the people of the United States. In other words, what he did put our national security at risk. Are you getting this now? This is just how important it is because Lynch even said, well, not to the level of direction when he asked, were you involved in discussing defensive briefings? Not to the level of direction. Again, I'm being careful because the nature of the information. Because Lynch has no right to direct for defensive briefings unless she is directed to do so. And most of those directions for defensive briefings would come from two people, identified by the act and identified by Barack Hussein Obama's executive order that he issued on May 6th of 2016, identifying who are the people that will be providing briefings and exchange of executive power. In this case, it would be Susan Rice and Aaron Rosenbach, the chief of staff of the DOD. Now, here's the weird thing. If indeed there were national security concerns about Russia, then the Department of Defense, Pentagon, had an obligation, according to their rules, 
to debrief our guys. They never got that either. So what I'm trying to say is at this point, Obama's impeachment is no longer an option that we should go after. It's an obligation. It is an obligation. Because behavior like this should not be allowed. Behavior like what? Disrupting the transfer of executive power, number one, because we're at risk. He wants to be petty. They're all pissed off because they lost power. The media's upset. They're all upset. They lost billions and billions of dollars on campaign stuff and still lost. They fixed the election beyond belief and still lost. They activated intelligence agency, FBI, global assets, you name it, and still lost. So now, like toddlers, like babies, they cause, they put us in a position where we could have been harmed. Like, where is your integrity, dude? You sat in the White House for eight years. How dare you disrespect the highest office in our land by acting like a baby and jeopardizing our security because you're pissed off. And not only that, you attempted this coup that was so messy and and childishly put together and failed so miserably that you tried at a last-ditch you know, attempt to, to, to harm us by weaponizing the Supreme Court. I mean, guys, this is just how disgusting it is. And General Flynn was caught in the middle. General Flynn was caught in the middle, and they made him out to be someone like, oh, my gosh, This is horrible. You colluded. I mean, even Judge Ellis turned around and said treason. And you're thinking, dude, you've been on the court for how long? And what you're talking about makes no sense? Treason. How dare he say that about our general having commit treason? Treason is whoever owes an allegiance to the United States, levies war against them, or adheres to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort within the United States or elsewhere, is guilty of treason and shall suffer death or shall be imprisoned. That's what treason is, by definition, according to U.S. Code 18. So hold on a second, Ellis. What the heck? Why are you still on a bench? Oh, you want to talk Logan Act because the left loved pushing the Logan Act, didn't they? They were all about the... Let me tell you about the Logan Act. Guys, you know the history of the Logan Act, right? They were trying to find that previous, you know, people that were running for office or had run for office, no, people that were in office were talking with foreign persons like in France to get this deal done, right? And so they couldn't get after them because, you know, they were politicians, they were elected members. The Logan Act doesn't apply to people that are official, just so you understand. It was enacted in 1799 that forbids private citizens from engaging in unauthorized correspondence with foreign governments. Now, General Flynn, at the time of talking with the Russian ambassador, was a quasi-official. Done. General Flynn having contacts with foreign agents of any country before that was a quasi-official through the DIA. So there is no treason and Logan Act does not apply. But what I could tell you is, is that in effect, after President Trump was sworn in, many of the Obama administration executive officials 
including Hillary Clinton, Obama himself. He's only allowed, I think, six months of being considered official capacity after uh, the swearing-in. Directors of uh, the National Intelligence Agency, CIA, State Department, you name it. They were globetrotting, weren't they, guys? And they were considered private citizens that have no authority to act on behalf of the United States of America. And they were doing just that. They were going against the interests of the people because the interests of the people are the interests of our administration, remember? Because it aligns with the interests of the people. It's the America first message. And they even had the audacity to publicly condemn or dispute our president's policies. In essence, destroying, causing harm, attacking, and giving comfort to our enemies the United States of America. So if anyone should be enforcing the Logan Act, which hasn't since they created it on Mr. Logan himself for what he did in France and getting money and sorting out stuff, even though it worked out and it benefited the United States, they created the Logan Act because they were pissed off that a private citizen was able to sort out through business transactions, you know, and talking to the French, exchanging money and getting things done. They were like, private citizens can't act in an official capacity. That's basically what the Logan Act is. So they didn't carry... Biden, Clapper, Brennan, Comey, even Tillerson. Hey, Tillerson. People forgot about you. I didn't. All of them. Clintons. They all are in violation of the Logan Act. All of them. Now, I want people to understand that I was so irate watching people saying and demanding, Comey, why didn't you give the defensive briefing? You should have done it. You had time. Comey can't do anything. I'd love to see him hung by his toes, right? Him, Clapper, Brennan, guys, when that guy goes to jail, if he's not going to get Mo first, I am telling you, I will record it. I'm going to go visit him. Because me and him haven't seen each other for a while. I'm going to go visit him. I'm bringing him some cookies if they let him have it. <laughs> so... I'd love to, to blame all of them, but the bottom line is it was President Obama. We have to remember the chain of command. That is the bottom line. If Obama, according to the law, does not give the directive, then no directive is to be given. You understand? Is that capiche? That's where we're at. Flynn did nothing wrong. Flynn has no Russian connections. Anyone that states something like that is ridiculous. General Flynn is one of the most amazing people I have been blessed to, to, to meet in my life. For him to serve as our national security advisor, it would mean that all of us could sleep soundly, that he would make just decisions. You know what's funny is, uh, speaking of just decisions and uh, decisions for the people, did you guys notice how everyone wants us to go to war with Iran? Are you seeing how it's not about Iran? Are you guys seeing that now? Can you see it? Aside from the weapons dump in Greece, aside from the EU calling for an EU army and expediting a vote to let Turkey join the EU. What? Remember how I told you that Turkey has the largest military in NATO, second to the US, right? So if the EU successfully Adds Turkey on is a full EU member. 
And what does that mean? That means they get their military. That means they suddenly get an injection of huge troops. Are you following now? Because Iran, we don't need to go and annihilate them. I mean, it would be dumb if we fell in a trap like they tried to do in Syria with these fake chemical things and hurt them. Because these people, I'm pretty sure, want out. I mean, they're the bad guy of the world. Seriously. Could you imagine being the bad guy, but being the bad guy that doesn't want to be the bad guy? You know what I'm saying? I don't think they want to be the bad guy anymore. I think they want a deal. But they're so locked into it, they're like, man, how's anyone going to forgive us for all this? We've been paying everything. You heard Trump say it himself. Our president said it on TV. All these terror cells, all 14 of those on the map, and they were all funded with Iran when they had nothing to do with Iran. It's because they're, they're ADP. <laughs> what are we going to call that? Terrorist payroll processor, TPP. It's kind of like the TPP agreement. It's terrorism for money. So this is what they are. They don't want to be that anymore. They want out. The EU is clenching on. They are trying to rise. Look at what they're saying. The EC Council, the European Council, totally separate from the European Union's commission, right? They're actually, the EU is below the EC. In their words said, they were delighted that the EU is finally building up an army to protect themselves against the United States, Russia, and China. What? There is so much to come. And this week is going to be incredible. I hear Brennan has been pulled in for some questioning. Oops. Did Italy give up misfud? Jeez. Like I said last week, Italy's move means that Brennan's toast. Because if anyone's moving anything, it's out of his company in Luxembourg. We've talked about this before. He built one of the biggest private intelligence companies on the planet called Security Global. And it's based out of Luxembourg. And he did all that with dirty Saudi money. Dirty, dirty, dirty. On that note, I wish you guys a wonderful evening. God bless, and I will see you here again on Red State Talk Radio, 12 to 2 live Eastern time. And I'll be going off to celebrate my daughter's birthday and her shipping out tomorrow. God bless. Tennessee, a long way from the suits in DC, but go.